Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your host. We got Chris Schubert floating around producing this thing. We're all from the Draft Network, and we're brought to you by Ben Online. It's that time of year again. I think the college basketball tournament takes center stage literally today. It gets started. If you're looking to place wagers on any of that, check out Bet Online. It's the number one spot for all the updated odds and info. They've got live betting. They've got contests. Check it out. They've got a mobile website you can use. You can use your desktop. If you head over there, you sign up today, we'll give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. BetOnline, your number one source, your continued source for sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Kyle, happy Thursday to you. Happy Thursday to you as well. Uh, We are continuing our contextualizing the 2022 class series today. Joe, you had a big day yesterday. Uh, You got a chicken farmer added to your roster. Sure did. Congratulations on that front. I bet that was very exciting for you. Uh, Yeah, one of those didn't expect it, just aimlessly refreshing Twitter all day, hoping the Bills got a pass rusher, and it's like you never thought Vaughn was in play for Buffalo, and he's a Bill. So that was very significant. let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this Yeah. before we get started. Because I saw the tweet and you said a lot of you need to delete your tweets. Oh, boy. Oh Was boy. that about the mafia? Because I'm, I'm oh, experiencing brother. this with offensive tackle brother. myself right now. The mafia was on one yesterday, full on depression mode, full on depression mode, missing out on Chandler Jones. And, you know, the there was a rumor. Kyle. What is f- fandom? Fan is short for fanatic, which it just generally means, you know, a lot. <laughs> but but uh, everyone's wanting this pass rusher. And you think Chandler Jones, a, a Rochester native, you know, played his college ball at Syracuse. He's coming to town. And there was a report, I think, from Albert Breer about how a couple of big name defensive players had reached out to Buffalo at the combine and said, hey, we want to come play for you. And there was this big moment where I think everyone was ready to shift from Buffalo being, you know, the laughing stock of where players would actually want to go play football right in Western New York to, all right, could this actually become a destination where free agents want to go sign? And so everyone was so conflicted about, you know, was that a lie? Can the, cause does Josh Allen even move the needle for free agents to want to come to Buffalo? And, and everyone was in the dumps. And then that changed with one tweet from Ian Rappaport, Von Miller to the bills. And now you're back to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl or yeah, bust yeah, it's, again. It's, it's all back. Yep. It's all back. You know what today is, though, Kyle? It's uh, it's St. Patrick's Day, St. Patrick's which Day. is a, it, yeah. it's significant for two reasons in my household. Um, I'm not going to rank them, but this is the day Patrick, our Beagle Bassett hound, hound mix. Yeah, this is the day we acquired him. When I say we, I mean my wife. Oh. I inherited this dog. But it's also a big a big thing here in Concord, North Carolina. It's Pancake Day. 
It's a big deal, man. Everybody goes to this thing in the community. It's a big fundraiser for the Boys and Girls Club. Pancake Day, man. I'm telling yeah, thank you. you Chris. I'm doing that thank for you, my wife. Pancake I'm doing day. it for my wife. And, and Pancake Day, because we're talking interior offensive linemen. Oh, wow. And they like to what get What a pancakes. segue. There's no shame yeah, I, for this man. I saw Chris in there. You, If you're not watching on YouTube, Chris came in real disappointed that I got off the rails talking about Pancake Day when he wants to talk guards and centers. Good save. Good save, Joe. You got us back on track. I applaud, applaud the effort. Nobody cared that I was talking about the dog. Like, oh, that was a cool talking point, Joe. Glad you mentioned that. But I talk about Pancake Day, a fundraiser for the Boys and Girls Club, and I get uh, I get reamed out. So, Kyle, we've done uh, quarterbacks. We've done a wide receiver. We did running back. We did offensive tackle. And the question that yes. we're asking ourselves is, where does our player one at the position this year slot versus last year's draft class? And so far, we've learned that our QB one is QB four last year, our Wide receiver one is wide receiver three last year. Our offensive tackle one is offensive tackle. Well, it's kind of different there. It was It's basically two this year, right? Compare those two. And then yes. uh, at running back, it was it was RB Isaiah Spiller RB2 last year. So we're going to spend some time in the middle of the offensive line today with guards and centers. So you're going to start with the guards? Let's start with the guards. Look at you. You're really syncing that up, ready to – do your yeah. I'm starting starting to get there. a hang of like when it's time to go to centers. I'll point over here. Yeah. Oh, nicely done. There. Wow. And then I come back here. Mm. I'll come back. So, um, your top rated offensive guard in the 2022 NFL draft is Humst. His name is Zion Johnson, guard. Likewise from Boston College. Boston College. Professional ass kicker. Good way so, to put it. Your grade on him is a what? 86 and a half. First round grade for Mr. Zion Johnson. Um, we did it again. I want to come clean. This was one of your guys. <laughs> for like three I years. I have an 87. <laughs> so I am just marginally. We do this every year and a lot. We end yeah. up taking better grades for each other's guys. I have an 87 on Zion Johnson. He is also my top rated interior offensive lineman or excuse me, top rated uh, offensive guard, technically top rated interior offensive lineman as well, but top rated guard in this year's class versus last year. I believe we had the same player. Yeah. Elijah Vera Tucker. Elijah Vera Tucker. The Trojans. Yes. Who ironically you know played fun? offensive tackle. Yeah. His last year at USC. Go ahead. He did. And I was going to say, it was somewhat of a similar situation where Elijah Vera Tucker spent a season at left tackle, and, and so did Zion Johnson. Mm-hmm. Now, Zion yeah, they just, came back they in backwards. 2021. Yeah, he came back in 2021 and got over to left guard, where I think is his best spot. But, you know, with, uh, with Zion, we've seen him also start to play some center. Not that he did at Boston College, but... At the Senior Bowl, that was a big part of what he showcased. So you feel like you have a player that's best suited for left guard but can get you out of a game at both center and left tackle, and, and we know versatility matters a ton, uh, and, and that's a you big – right um, side? Uh, no, left left side. So he's never played on the right side? Never played on the right side. I was just right curious side. if we were literally talking about a five-position player or not. No, no, he doesn't get that, but I um, – 
he does play, I think, the more meaningful side, if if you will. It's better to be a left side only player than a right side only player, right? So there's that. He can only play three spots. Yeah, darn. And the three spots being center, left guard, and left tackle, right? Like it's not like right. you could play three He's spots. Swing. Right tackle, right guard, and left tackle, right? He can he can do it all. Yep. So so that versatility is a huge part of what I liked so much about Zion in his game. And I just thought this year he, he was really yeah, I like- controlled. Go ahead. No, I'm good. I'm good. I think you froze up a little bit there. So I was, I was trying to filibuster if, if that was the case. No, that, that's a lie. Cause you froze up for me. So. Oh, mm. better close some tabs, huh? I, I, I do have a few open, but the thing that impressed me with Zion beyond the versatility that he has is how controlled he was this year. I mean, he very rarely, I thought this year, did he get overextended? Uh, did he fall off of blocks or poorly frame first contact? Um, the athleticism that he shows in both lateral situations and climbing vertically and in space, um, I think he's a universal appeal type player. You want to run zone concepts, he'll run zone concepts. You want to run gap concepts, he'll run gap concepts. And he'll win in both. And that's how, for me, an interior offensive lineman ends up with a grade in this stratosphere because you know it doesn't matter what your system restrictions are, he's going to check the boxes. Yeah. So let's do it. Let's uh, let's compare the grades. So Elijah, Elijah Vera Tucker, Tucker last year, you had a eight blank dot blank. 87.00. Oh, I didn't realize this was going to be the case. So you had Vera Tucker as a, high, as a higher grade player. By half a point than Zion Johnson. Uh, I had Vera Tucker as an 84, but he was still my interior offensive lineman one. Um, and he was 27th on my final board. So I don't know if you have that number for you, but that might be good context. 14. And where do you get drafted? Something like right there, 12, 13, 12, something like 12. that. Yeah. Chris, can you come in here for a moment as our resident Jet fan? Hello. Can, can you confirm for me whether or not Joe got angry that he got picked in that range? Extremely angry. And in fact, during one of the breaks of the live broadcast, came over to me in the middle of producing the show and asked me what my team was doing trading up to get Elijah Vera Tucker. Like, very distraught that they did such a thing. Blasphemous, my even, I think. favorite fight we've ever had. <laughs> no, and listen, the root of my frustrations weren't as much that they went and got a player that they loved at a position of need. My frustration was that we had conversation after conversation for the previous year about your ability to find starting caliber interior offensive linemen in the middle rounds. And I thought I was setting up a great talking point, and Dre Harris left me out to dry on the broadcast. <laughs> I thought he was definitely going to be all in with me Come to on for some you. criticism here. And he's like, no, this you got to have you got to have the guard for your for Zach player. Wilson. And I'm like, brother. You have been the champion of not valuing interior offensive linemen, and now you're going to champion this move. They gave up multiple picks to go get him. That's why I was mostly frustrated. 
Hey, hey, He's Joe. my 14th ranked player. I'm glad we relive this one more time. I'm so glad. It won't be the last time. It won't ever be. This is yeah, one of those that's never probably, going away. He's a good player, so I'm happy. It'll probably come up on draft night this year. Right. First I just know that I'm not going to align with Dre. He's going to leave me out the drive. <laughs> so so I have I have AVT rated higher than Zion. What's interesting for you is you have a, a good, solid first-round grade on Zion. You had a high two on, on AVT. Yeah, I th- you've already mentioned the dynamic of both of these guys playing tackle and guard. But one of the things that I thought I wrestled with personally was Eli- I thought Elijah's 2019 tape was better than his 2020 tape when he was playing inside. But his his final season of tape, he was playing at offensive tackle, and I didn't think that did him a lot of justice for what his best qualities were, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think that's really fair. And I, what's interesting about both of those guys when they've kicked over to left tackle, their first game was rough, but then they like both settled in. Not that you're going to project them to play tackle in the NFL, but they more than got by at left tackle. But they're just better players yeah. at guard. Right, they're dominant at guard. Yes. Versus, you know, being something you could get by with at tackle. But I think you framed that perfectly when you were talking about Zion at first in that, this is a player who can get you out of a game at tackle yeah. or at center. Yeah. Potentially be a center. We don't know yet. We'll see what the team who drafts them thinks. Mr. Christopher. So, Hello? Hammering away on those – you're hammering away. Oh, on did I have my mic on? Apologies. I'm working on yeah, some, just, some stuff for us. I, I know Thank you're you. grinding away. I just yeah. want to let you know. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. So I guess the answer here for you is that Zion Jar- Johnson is guard one this year and last year. And for me, yes. he's guard That's one this close, year and guard two last year. Yeah. Correct. Very close. You want to do okay. center? Let's, Let's do center. This is the keystone position on the offensive line. And obviously last year's class had a phenomenal center come through in Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey was not – Technically, he was the first center. No, he wasn't. Josh Myers was drafted in front of him, wasn't he? In the second round. Yes. By the Packers. Yeah, because we had Landon Dickerson go to the Eagles in the top 40, I think, and we were like, oh, uh, he ended up playing guard for them this year. Mm -hmm. But then we also had Josh Myers from Ohio State go to Green Bay before Creed came off. the. So Creed was technically, could have been classified as your third center off the board. He was both of our top centers yep and there's no question uh that the league if they had take backs they <laughs> might do it differently with how good creed humphrey played this you year. think so, you think i mean so this guy's picked 64 this. he's a first round pick if we redraft the, the 2021 group correct he's he's a top 20 selection if you redraft. no doubt no doubt yes um i had him ranked as an 83 creed out of 100, and I had him 32nd on my final draft board. Where did you have Creed? See, this is you're going to flex on me a little bit here. I had Creed as an 81 no, because, and the 50th player on my board. Okay. We were both better than the league in this I know you didn't set that up to flex. It's the conversation we're having, but this is something where your, your evaluation is going to look a little better than mine, which is well, interesting because I, once upon a time, I mocked uh, Creed Humphrey to the Dolphins. and Yeah, like eight. 
It's a different story. Top 10 positional value. Uh, if it's at 12, it's fine, though, right? Totally fine. You could trade up for him no, at 12. Just can't pick him at 8. No. No. I digress. Your top-rated center this year is presumably Tyler Linderbaum from the University of Iowa. That's right. Okay. Similar players. Wrestling backgrounds. Not the biggest of guys. But um, I actually do have Tyler Linderbaum graded slightly higher as a prospect. I have an 87 on Tyler Linderbaum. Four points is not slightly. It's, it's a decent margin. Um, but Linderbaum, for me, uh, is a comfortable first-round valuation, and he's currently sitting right around 16 on my personal rankings at this point in time. How about for you? So I have Tyler Linderbaum, 85 and a half, uh, right around 20 for me on my board. Okay. Let me, so we, let's we, talk a little bit about a little bit about Creed here because I, I feel like it's been a journey with Creed scouting him because this guy was phenomenal in his first year as a starter. And that was the, the year that they won the Joe Moore award, right? For the best offensive line in Is college that, football and had like just 18? NFL players next to him. Yes. Right. And so I'm like, Oh yeah. wow, this guy is phenomenal. And then he wasn't quite as good the next year. Didn't he lose everybody on the line that offseason? Well, that's Didn't exactly the point that I was, the league. It's exactly the point that I was trying to make there is oh, you know, this up. guy we, we talk a lot about how important the offensive line is. Like it's not necessarily just having a bunch of like individually great players. It's how those players work together. It's it's five guys functioning as one unit. And with Creed, I don't think I personally did a good enough job accounting for the other four pieces around him not being there and him being the quarterback of this unit. I needed to do a better job of accounting for that because I, I mean, I couldn't do him. I've mocked him eight overall, Kyle. You know what I mean? Like, obviously I love this player. I think where my wires got crossed is I should have cared a lot more about that infrastructure and how it impacted the way he played. You know, you know what else did not do us any favors in this specific instance? Do you remember Tyler Beatus? From Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The year prior, right? Yeah. And he had like this same kind of evolutionary path. And he got hurt. And I think it was a hip or something like that. Hip. And yes. he totally he totally fell off. Right. And he ended up going in the fourth round. But there was once upon a time, Tyler Beatis was Creed Humphrey before Creed Humphrey was Creed Humphrey. Yep. And then they had the same dip. And I think that recency bias of Beatus fell off. We kind of saw the same drop in in performance and play from Creed. Red flags. We need to be yeah. concerned. Now, granted, we both graded Creed as top fifty players and had him in the eighties and an eighty one and an eighty three. So, um, it's not like we didn't like Creed, and we both had him ranked higher than what the league ended up drafting him. So, I, I would love yeah. to talk to personnel people about. Creed specifically and hear what their evaluations were that led to him in reality tumbling to 64 because as guilty as we are of undervaluing Creed Humphrey, the league did worse than we did yep. in this specific case. Now they'll, they'll get theirs. I'm not worried about that. We're going to take plenty of L's <laughs> along the way. 
Right. But damn it, Creed's not going to be one of them. So nope. only take the L's you have to take. Right. If you had missed and you haven't scouted, yeah, you're not you're not picking up L's along the way you don't need to take. So. So Tyler Linderbaum, what is in your mind the biggest divide between the two as far as your grade or their skill set? Or was it simply what you had just acknowledged of kind of the experience of Creed and his pathway through Oklahoma that that is the biggest divide in those two grades? Well, what's interesting is I I have Linderbaum rated higher, 85 and a half. And and look, yep. his last season of tape was phenomenal. Or he's just a joy to watch. Technically refined, gets after people, explosive into contact super good athlete and just playing at a really high level in, in a, in a big time conference, like the big 10, which is rich with talent uh, this, this year as well. And so just seeing him play at that high of a level, just being a technician and um, seeing the NFL go with a lot more zone rushing attacks and really putting an emphasis on the range of your center to be able to get out on some longer poles and get out in the second level. Like you just feel really good about Tyler being a clean projection. Now you don't like the size here, right? You wish he had some more length. You wish he had a little bit more mass and that's where Creed at six, five, three twenty or three twenty three or whatever he is, you know, he's a, a much bigger player. Um, but I, as far as the last year of tape goes, it's hard to top what Linderbaum did this past year for Iowa. Yeah, it really felt like, and he was a player who came to Iowa as a defensive tackle and then yeah. converted over to center too. So you feel like there's continued untapped potential. I thought he was raw his first year as a starter, and understandably so given his positional switch. But his his progression has been like, I guess technically for everybody else, it's been like that. That it's going up, up into the right. Yeah, I nailed it. You, you should have given me a compliment that I figured out the mirror. Woo! Up, up and to the right. Clip, clip, clip it, Chris. I digress. His progression has been up and to the right at a very aggressive level. Joe, mute yourself so I can finish this thought. We got to wrap up the show here. In a few and that's what's most exciting for me about Tyler is that his development is continuing on the, the trajectory that it is. Um, I had mentioned that they were similar players. You did a nice job of mentioning out the size differences between the two players, but I think they win similarly. They win with hand leverage. They win with angles. They win with lateral mm -hmm. mobility. Their wrestling background really pops for both of these guys. Like that's how both of them win. Now, I think Creed's probably a little bit more of a safer slash universal projection, given the fact that he is 6'4", 6'5", 3'20", 3'15", whatever he's playing at, uh, versus Tyler, I think, is a little bit more scheme-specific. But at the end of the day, there were just some things with Tyler that I had to grade as elite traits, elite qualities, that was hard to ignore uh, his flexibility, for example is a 10 out of 10. His lateral mobility is a 10 out of 10. And when you get a couple traits like that, that are elite rare traits, and you don't have the weaknesses that are the other side of the coin in the same way, which I thought Garrett Bradbury had coming out of NC State when he was a top 20 pick by Minnesota. And oh, by the way, he was still a top 20 pick. 
Now, he's getting bullied by nose tackles, and he has a really hard time anchoring. I don't see that with Tyler. I don't see the same struggles to anchor. Because I know anybody who's followed my scouting process for any amount of time is going to remember, well, you didn't like Garrett quite as much. So what's the difference there? And it's the functional strength, not the size difference, the functional strength. And I think Tyler checks those boxes to a much greater degree to give me confidence to put this high of a grade on Linderbaum. So he would be my center one grade this year and last year. So same here. The question that I have for you is, do you think he that Linderbaum gets picked higher than 64? I'm fairly confident in saying, yes, he will get picked higher than 64. What do you think like the ceiling and basement is for, for Tyler, just numbers wise? Philadelphia's picks, I think is the ceiling. Middle of the first round the there. Teens. Yeah, middle mm-hmm. of the first round. And the fl- I wouldn't I would not be shocked if he fell out of the first round. Two hundred and ninety pound center. Yeah. Um so I would say we're probably within the first ten picks of the second round. Would I would I would put the floor at. So fifteen to forty five, you would say is a, a safe range? Yes. Yes. You agree, disagree? I, yeah, I agree with you. I just it's it's so interesting because normally I mean, that's a pretty big strike zone for this area of the draft. We're not talking like right. mid-round guys where bad. like, oh, I could still I feel bad leaving that big fifth. strike zone. Right. And and that's what I wanted to provoke when I asked the question. And so I just I think it's interesting and and as you as we write write mock drafts and as you consumers consume mock drafts, understand that it, it's it's kind of a challenging guy to to forecast at this point. But it flies in the face of it what everybody's been told all year, right? Everybody's been told this dude's a stud. He's a stud. Plug and play starter. He'll get you 10 years, right? That that yeah, cliche that we love that, that I myth. remember you you did the story on last year and, and explored how many guys actually are plug and play 10 year starters. And it's like, what, 10%? It's not a thing. Yeah, it's thing like eight. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. Yeah. Eight, 8%. Um, so there, that's a storyline I would not be surprised to see surprise fans who follow the draft, but don't have that added context of like really understanding that the scheme fits of all 32 teams versus their own individual team. Right. If you run, if you're a team that runs a zone system, you're going to love Tyler Linderbaum. And then if he does tumble, you're going to be sitting there like we didn't pick him. What in the hell is going on that this guy fell through the draft the way that he did. It's well, 292 or whatever he is, is going to be a disqualifier for some teams. It just is. 100%. Yeah. So we'll see. But his t- there's no questioning his talent. And that's why the grade that we have, we're not grading based on predictiveness. We're grading based on prognosticating them to the pros. Probably not the right form of that word. But oh well. I think it's good. We did our they best talk, here. They call Punxsutawney Phil. He's the prognosticator of prognosticators. So I think, I think that's a good Done. usage of the word. Done. Yeah, you're good. Nailed it. Thank you. I appreciate your support. Uh, we appreciate all of your support as well. We appreciate the support of our friends over Bet Online. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the S show that was Draft Dudes today. And uh, Draft Dudes do math. Draft Dudes do uh, telemetry. Draft Dudes do English. All that kind of stuff. So. You're not going to miss tomorrow. Tomorrow's takes on takes. Play the corner with Kyle Krabs, Jeremy, and Chris Schubert. Make it a good one. We'll talk with you guys again tomorrow. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.